following is a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more information on Shaw or our teaching resources, visit www.shaw.org.nz. We're carrying on this morning our series on the miracles of Jesus. And we've been looking at a number of miracles in the Gospels that Jesus performed. And each of those miracles shows us something different about the person of Jesus, uh, who he was, who he is, and the nature of his kingdom. So we've seen Jesus as the one who brings the new wine of God's kingdom. Uh, We've looked at Jesus as the one who reaches to outsiders, those who are far from God. Uh, We've looked last week at Jesus as the one who has authority over creation, the one who has authority over nature itself. And this morning, we look at this miracle in John chapter 5, and it takes us into a different dimension of who Jesus is. We see something else about his power and his kingdom. So the story in in John 5, it revolves around this man uh, who is disabled. Uh, We don't know his name. John never tells us his name. All we really know about this guy is that uh, John describes him as an invalid. He was a man who, who was lame. That is, he didn't have the use of his legs. And John tells us that he'd been that way for 38 years. So that implies that there was a time before those 38 years where this man was able-bodied. So we can assume, we don't know how old the guy was, but but we can assume that he he had at at some stage a relatively normal life, that he was at one point able to walk. He was able to use his legs. He may have had a family. He may have had a job. We don't know, but he would have lived a normal kind of life. And then at some point, something happened to this guy. And again, we don't know what happened. We don't know his story, but uh, it may have been some kind of illness. It may have been some kind of injury, but it left him without the use of his legs. So this guy is severely disabled. And in the first century, those who were disabled were really at the bottom of the whole social ladder. There was a huge amount of social shame upon people like this a huge amount of social stigma. People were were generally despised by society if they were disabled in some way. There were were none of the social services that we have today for disabled people. Uh, There's no disability benefit, anything like that. Uh, People were just left to fend for themselves and and they would rely on the benevolence of somebody else being kind to them uh, or they would have to beg for for their livelihood and if they couldn't get enough money begging, then they wouldn't eat. It was a really, really tough existence for those with disabilities in the first century. So we know that this guy spent quite a bit of his time in a particular place. And John tells us this was the pool of Bethesda. And uh, this was a pool uh, in Jerusalem. It was a place where a lot of disabled people used to come and, and lie. I guess when they, when they weren't begging on the streets of Jerusalem or, or in the marketplace, they would come and, and sit here or, or lie here. A lot of them would have had, had mats that they would try and make themselves comfortable on. One of the reasons that this, this pool of Bethesda complex was, was quite popular for people with disabilities is because it had these colonnades that were, that were covered, they were sheltered. And so that provided some respite from, from the weather. Um, it would give them some shade in summer so they didn't get the, the baking heat on them. Uh, in, in winter or, or during storms and rain, it would provide a bit of shelter for them. So it made the whole experience a little bit more pleasant. And this was a place then that was full of people with all sorts of disabilities all the time. And that's where this man came. And, and this is where he was the day that Jesus visited him. So if you can imagine this man sitting there or, or lying there one day, 
and Jesus comes into this complex. And, and I imagine there, there probably would have been a bit of a buzz around this. Jesus was pretty well known uh, by this stage as, as a worker of, of miracles, and his reputation would have gotten out pretty quickly, I think. So people would have, would have known, uh, and, and as much as they could have, I imagine people would have been clamoring for his attention. They would have been yelling out to him and, and shouting to him and, and trying to move towards him and press in on him, desperate for healing, desperate to, be, to receive their own kind of healing for whatever kind of disability they had. But Jesus makes his way through the crowd, and he comes to this particular man. And he looks at this man, and he simply says to him, Do you want to be well? It's a funny sounding question really, isn't it? Do you want to be well? You sort of think, well, that's an obvious one. The, the man has been disabled for 38 years. All he wants is to, is to be well. But I think Jesus is really just asking a very straightforward question, really. And, and it's an invitation, isn't it? It's an invitation for this man to receive something from Jesus that Jesus is about to provide in an extraordinary way for this guy. And the man's response to Jesus is, is interesting. He, he doesn't really answer that question directly. Instead, he kind of goes off on this other tangent. He says in verse 7, Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Now, what he's, what he's referring to here is this, this pool of Bethesda. Uh, it, was, it was quite well known and one of the reasons it was so interesting is because occasionally the water in this pool was stirred and, and the water started to move and, and the water would, would kind of ripple on the surface mysteriously. Now, most commentators believe probably the reason for that is because there are these underground springs underneath Jerusalem, of which there are, and quite probably one of those springs partly fed this pool. And so occasionally you'd have a gush of water and that would create this kind of ripple effect on the surface of the water. But, I mean, this is a, this is a highly superstitious kind of age, and people generally believed that there was a different kind of explanation for this, that when the waters were stirred, people believed this was an angel of the Lord descending down to stir the waters. And they believed that when that happened, the first person who could get into the pool would be healed. And so you can imagine, whenever this happened, whenever the waters were, were stirred and troubled, People would just, there would be an absolute racket of people trying to get past each other and clamber their way into the pool. Now, we don't know whether anyone actually ever got healed as a result of that. But this guy, he would have been one of the slowest there, being disabled in, in, in his legs. He couldn't have moved fast, and he might have tried to shuffle towards the pool, but he was never the first one in, and so he never got his healing. And he basically just kind of offloads this to Jesus and complains about the fact that other people get in the pool ahead of him. Well, Jesus... It really just ignores that story. He doesn't engage with, with all of the stuff about the pool. He simply looks at this man and he says, pick up your mat and walk. And with those simple words, this man starts to feel the, the sensation returning to his legs. He starts to feel the strength coming back into his legs and he, he props himself up and then he stands up one foot at a time and, and he can wait there on his legs. His muscles haven't even atrophied. He, he can stand, he feels the strength, he feels the mobility in his legs, and immediately, instantaneously, this guy is, is healed. And he does exactly what Jesus tells him to do. He picks up his mat that he'd been reliant on for so many years, and he walks straight out of that pool complex. Amazing story of, of an immediate, full, complete, miraculous physical healing. Now, 
as you, as you reflect on that story, I, I don't know what your response to this is. I, I find that I have kind of some mixed emotions around this story. On the one hand, I, I want to celebrate with this guy. Like, this is an amazing story of Jesus healing somebody fully and completely. And this was an incredible day for this man. What an extraordinary gift for him to receive. On the other hand, I can't help but think of all of the other people that were lying around that pool that day. All of the other disabled and lame, blind, paralyzed people who desperately would have liked the same kind of healing that this guy received. In fact, if I put myself in the place of one of those other people and I think about Jesus coming into that pool complex that day and then healing this guy over here and then walking out again and I'm still disabled. Like That's quite hard. That's quite hard to understand why that would have happened. We know that Jesus heals people in the Gospels and we focus ourselves on the story of those whom he heals. But it's helpful, I think, to remember there were a lot more people that never got healed. There were a lot of other people that never experienced that healing. And it's the same today, isn't it? I mean, we know, the story shows us, Jesus is a healer. God is a healer. God is perfectly able to heal anyone he wants to, anytime he wants to, in whatever condition. God has all power and all authority over human sickness and illness. He created us. He can heal us. So God can do this anytime. And yet, the times when, when God does seem to step in and, and fully heal people, they don't, they don't seem to be that often, if we're honest. And, and there are so many prayers that get prayed by people for physical healing. I know I've, I've prayed for people. You've probably prayed for people as well, for them to be physically healed. And those prayers have gone unanswered. And it's hard. We don't know why God chooses to heal one and not another. We don't understand it, but we do know there's many more people that don't get healed than the ones that do. And so there's a tension that we feel in a story like this because it's, it's a tension that we still feel in our lives today. I think... One of the ways that it's helpful to try and understand some of this is to think about the nature of God's kingdom. So in the Gospel of John, the miracles of Jesus are described as signs. He talks about them as signs. And they are signs that point towards the kingdom of God. They show us something about the kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom of God, we could think about it being in two parts, or, or maybe a better description is two stages there are two stages of the kingdom. There is the stage that is now. So there is that dimension of the kingdom that is now. It is already here. The kingdom of God began when Jesus began his ministry. The kingdom of God began with Jesus. He inaugurated the kingdom and the kingdom has continued to be present in part right now. Jesus is here. He has already vanquished the evil one. He's already defeated Satan. He's given us his Holy Spirit. Uh, we can be forgiven and be part of God's family, be part of his kingdom, participate in what God's doing in the world. All of this is part of the present reality of the kingdom of God. And so the kingdom is here now. We have this. And yet there is also a dimension of the kingdom which is not yet. And that's really important. Sometimes we just want all of the kingdom now, but Scripture's clear on this. There is, a, there is a part of the kingdom, there's a dimension of the kingdom that is not here yet. And, and we await the day when Jesus returns and brings about the fullness of the coming kingdom, the full, complete kingdom, when Jesus will then reign fully, completely, directly, and visibly over every square inch of creation and humanity. That is the fullness of the kingdom. That is, that is a reality that will be here one day, but it's not here yet. 
So we talk about the kingdom of God being already, but not yet. It's here now in part, but it's not here fully. And I think this helps us think through the issue of physical healing, because it is connected. Healing is connected to the kingdom of God. And so there are these two dimensions to this. There is a healing that God offers to us in the present, that he offers to all people unreservedly and completely. God does heal us in the present. But this promise is not the promise of us being healed in our physical bodies. This is the healing of our hearts. Jesus says elsewhere in the gospel, he said, it's, the, it's not the healthy that need the doctor, it's the sick. And, and he wasn't talking about physical sickness at that point. He's talking about spiritual sickness. He's talking about the sickness of the soul, the sickness where we are corrupted and diseased by sin, by this, this virus of sin, if you like, that has infected us and, and fatally contaminated us. That, that's the reality of our lives, this virus of sin and selfishness, which place us then under the judgment of God. And Jesus has come to heal us from that sickness, the sickness of our soul. And the way that he heals us is through his own death on the cross, his own body broken, his own blood poured out. Isaiah 53 says that he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. That's the promise of scripture. That, that promise is for today, that we can be healed today. May not be physically, but the spiritual healing that floods into our hearts and our souls through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and heals us from the power and, and the authority of sin in our lives. That healing is available now and it is an invitation that every single person is able to receive from Jesus freely in the present. That's the healing God wants to work in our lives. Now, I know that if you are crying out to God today for physical healing and you're really desperate for the healing of a physical condition, maybe that sounds like kind of a third prize. But I think sometimes this is because we don't appreciate the depth of the inner healing, the spiritual healing that God really brings. Much as we long for that physical healing, we do need to see that the deepest kind of healing that we need the fullest kind of healing that we need to receive is that healing of our hearts. It is that healing of our souls. The, our bodies, well, we, we may want them to be healed for this physical lifetime, but we need the healing of our hearts for eternity. We need, we need the healing of the incurable wound of sin. We need the grace of God for that because that makes an eternal difference to our lives. The stakes are so much higher. And so it is that deep healing that God is wanting to work in our lives in the present. I was reading this week the story of Joni Erickson Tata. You've probably heard her story. She's an American woman who uh, was injured in a diving accident when she was just 17 years old. Uh, she dove into shallow water and she became a quadriplegic, so paralyzed from the shoulders down and uh, has spent the rest of her life in a wheelchair. And she's written several books and I was reading in one place where she talks about a trip that uh, she made to Israel with her husband. And uh, she took her wheelchair and, and she was kind of wheeling around the, the cobbled streets of Jerusalem and they came to the pool of Bethesda. They came to this exact place where this miracle happens. And, and she talks about how she recalled right at the time that her injury happened, years before this, picturing herself at the pool of Bethesda, picturing herself 
with all of these disabled people and crying out to God for healing. And now there she was, physically at this pool. And she just spent some time there, sitting in her wheelchair, praying to God. And she describes the kind of prayer that she prayed. And I want to read this to you. She prayed, God, you really knew what you were doing so many years ago because a no answer to a request for physical healing has purged so much sin out of my life, so much selfishness and bitterness. And I know I've got a long way to go, but every day I want to wake up and I want to be a different Joni than I was yesterday. I want to be a Joni that you created, that you've destined me to be. Oh God, help me to step into that no answer, Lord Jesus, to a request for physical healing that has meant I'm depending more on your grace, but it's increasing my compassion for others who are hurt and disabled. It's helping me put complaining behind me. It has stretched my grip. It has pushed me to give thanks in times of sorrow. It has increased my faith. It has strengthened my hope of heaven. And it's made me love you so much more. And I would not trade it for any amount of walking. Man, that's a powerful prayer. It's almost hard to hear those words, isn't it? Almost hard to believe that someone who's a quadriplegic would pray that kind of prayer. But I think... Joni has grasped something about the depth of healing that God is really wanting to work in her life, that there is a healing God desires to bring into our life that runs so much deeper than physical healing and is so much more profound than physical healing. The healing of our heart and the ongoing healing of sin, cleansing us, renewing us and transforming us into the image of Jesus. That's the work God wants to do in our lives. So I want to encourage you, if you're struggling with some kind of physical condition, to allow God to focus you on that deep work of healing that he is wanting to do in spite of the physical condition that you have. So that's the healing that we have available to us in the present. And, that, and that's related to the present reality of the kingdom of God that is here now. But that's not that God doesn't promise to heal our physical bodies. He does give us that promise. It's just that that promise is connected to the future kingdom. So there is this kingdom that will come, be completed one day, and in that future kingdom, when Jesus returns, then we will receive these new resurrection bodies. Those bodies are going to be absolutely perfected. No more propensity to get sick. We're not going to catch uh, any sort of disease, any sort of illness, not even a common cold. No more cancer, no more injury, no more illness, no more disability, no more long-term health injuries, no more physical pain. We will be whole, we will be able-bodied, our bodies will be absolutely perfected and healed, and that is an absolute, unconditional promise for those who belong to Jesus. But it belongs in the new creation. It belongs in God's future that he is yet to bring about when Jesus returns. And we've got to allow that promise to sit there for us in the future without trying to wrestle that out of God's hand in the present. That is still waiting for us. And, and we have that to look forward to with all of our heart. It doesn't mean that God can't heal in the present. Of course he can. And he does. There are times when God does physically step in and heal people in the present. I do believe that, that God heals people today. When that happens, we've got to see that the same way that John sees this miracle in his gospel, as a sign. It's a sign of the kingdom. And in particular, it's a sign of the coming kingdom. It's a sign of the kingdom that is not here yet. And so we don't expect that to be the norm right across the board in the present because it is a taste of something that's not here yet. 
It's a sign pointing to something that's not yet fully our present reality. So we don't expect the full meal right now, so to speak. We just expect there might be these appetizers from time to time. And, and, and again, I don't know why God may choose to heal one person today and, and not another. We don't know. We have to leave that to the providence of God. We have to leave that to the sovereignty of God. We absolutely can pray for healing. We absolutely are invited in Scripture to cry out for physical healing. Uh, God's our Father. We're His children. We can ask Him for that unconditional gift of healing. And sometimes God steps in and grants it. But we also need to accept sometimes, many times, I'm, I could even say most times, the answer Maybe no. And that is simply because physical healing, full physical healing, belongs in the coming kingdom. And that's the kingdom that we are still waiting for. And so as we think about this reality of the kingdom of God, we think about the gift of physical healing, I want to just say a word about the relationship between faith and healing. Sometimes I think Christians believe that if we just have enough faith, we're going to be healed. You know, if we, if we just pray hard enough, if we pray long enough, if we really believe hard enough that we're going to be healed, then it's going to happen. And God will commend our faith and he will bring about this, this healing. Well, uh, the, one of the difficulties with this just practically is that if, if we believe with all of our heart in faith that someone is going to be healed, and then that person is not healed, what happens? Well, we feel like our faith was somehow faulty. We get mad at ourselves because we didn't have enough faith. Maybe we feel like we get mad at other people because they didn't have enough faith around us. Uh, or we get mad at God because somehow he hasn't kept his word. He hasn't kept his part of the deal. And honestly, this can shipwreck people's faith. If we put all of our, all of our expectation on simply having enough of this thing called faith. But if you look at the story... It's quite insightful here. You can, you can scan this story for any sign of faith that this guy had, and you're not going to find anything. This guy at the pool, he didn't have any faith at all. There's, no, there's absolutely no sign of it. He doesn't respond to Jesus with any real uh, warmth. Uh, he really just seems like a pretty grumpy guy, actually. There's certainly no sense of repentance. There's no sense of trusting and following in Jesus. In fact, later on, he kind of goes and betrays Jesus to the authorities. He doesn't even seem to really become a, a follower or a disciple of Jesus at all. There's very there's no evidence of faith in this guy's life, and yet Jesus healed him. So, according to this story, there's really not a correlation between faith and healing. Of course, God wants us to have faith. That, that's a very good thing. But our faith is no guarantee. Our faith is not some kind of lever that we pull that is going to guarantee that healing comes out of the machine. It just doesn't work that way. And I think this is relevant too um, in the time that we're going through at the moment with COVID. There, there are some Christians who believe that somehow faith is going to protect them from COVID. Uh, I was texting a woman the other day, not, not part of our church, but, but someone else, and she basically held this view, that um, she, she communicated more or less that she, she's got the strong faith, she's covered by the blood of the lamb, and kind of implies that is going to be her defense against COVID. Now, I admire the faith of people like that. And again, biblical faith is exactly what we're commanded to have. But if we see our faith as some kind of protective shield that is going to prevent us from catching COVID, that's just not biblical. There's nothing in scripture that ever suggests 
the presence of faith is somehow going to be a defense mechanism against sickness, against illness, against injury, against disability, or against physical pain. It simply doesn't work that way. Faith is our trust in God in the midst of whatever we're going through. Faith is us looking to God's protection and providence in our lives in spite of the difficulties that we go through, including pain and injury and illness. Faith is us trusting in God to walk through this with us, to be present with us in the midst of it. Faith is trusting God will bring us through this and eventually into his new creation one day where we'll finally be healed. We look to God. We cling to God. That's faith. But it's not this kind of bargaining chip that we use to try and move the hand of God or demand something from God or try and uh, manipulate the situation to our advantage to gain some sort of healing. Faith just doesn't work like that. So I want to just give you that word of caution to be careful about correlating faith and physical healing. They don't have this one-to-one -one correlation in the scriptures. Of course we're called to have faith, but that doesn't mean we're going to be healed before Jesus returns. So as we draw this to a close and we think again about the story of this miraculous healing, I want to just encourage you this morning to open up your heart to whatever way in which God might be wanting to release his healing power into your life. We know that God is a healer and we know that he brings about renewal and restoration at many levels in our lives. I want to encourage you this morning just to have an open heart to what God might be wanting to do. What sort of healing might he be wanting to bring? Maybe it is the healing of of your, of, of your heart. Maybe it's the healing of some hurt in your life. Maybe it's the healing of relationships. Maybe it's the healing of some, of some patterns of sin in your life and just the renewing of, of a new way of, of selflessness that God is wanting to bring into your life. And, and, and yes, we should also, we must lift up the people around us who are struggling with physical difficulties at the moment, whose own bodies are working against them right now. We need to commit ourselves to praying for those who are sick right now, those around us who are disabled, those who are suffering long-term health conditions, those who are suffering physical pain in their bodies. These are tough, tough burdens to carry, and we must commit ourselves to praying for these people, praying for their healing, absolutely, crying out to God for that, and praying that God would be especially near to them, sustaining them, strengthening them, and that they would be carried by the prayers of their brothers and sisters throughout their ordeal, no matter how long it may last. So I encourage you to see Jesus as the Gospels reveal him, as our healer, as the one who is, as the Christmas carol says, risen with healing in his wings. That's who he is because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. He is the healer. Let's open our lives to all the ways in which Jesus wants to work his healing power within us and in the lives of those around us for his glory. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you this morning that you are a healer. And we see that in this miracle and in many other uh, stories of you interacting with those who were, who were sick, who were disabled. Throughout your ministry, Jesus, you moved towards those who, who struggled in their own physical bodies. You showed such incredible compassion and grace. And we know we see you as a healer, Jesus. Uh, Lord, we want to lift up to you now within our church community and within our circles of, of friendship and family, those who are struggling physically. We pray for those who are sick. We pray for those who are struggling with cancer. Lord, we pray for those who are experiencing physical pain. We pray for those who are disabled. 
We pray for those who are struggling with mental illness. We pray, Lord, for those who have long-term health conditions, for those who, are, who have sustained injury in their bodies. And we want to lift them up to you, Lord Jesus. And we want to pray for all the healing that's in your heart to be poured out into their lives, Lord Jesus. Heal them, we pray, inside and out, and remind them that you walk with them, that nothing in life or death will ever, ever, ever separate them from your love. Thank you that you are so faithful. Keep reminding us and burdening us to pray for those who do struggle with their own physical bodies. And uh, Lord, make us people of prayer for those around us in this way. We thank you, Jesus. We look to you and we commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more of our teaching resources, or to donate to our teaching resource ministry, or for more information on Shaw Community Church, visit www.shaw.org.nz. Alternatively, you can email office at shaw.org.nz or phone 09 415 0455. Thank you for listening.